this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Oh yeah, I gotta open the chat too. Now let me pop that out. Pop what out? Be careful, dude. They can hear us. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he wants. (laughs) Yes. It's my MO. Everything I say is a euphemism. All right. Yeah, I see Quincy's already in the chat. Nice, nice. Hey, we're live. What's up, guys? Hey. Hey, guys. Oh. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Welcome, colleagues, to the Cyberpunk GM's Roundtable on Cyberpunk's Uncensored. Uh, We've come back again to give you a little chat between some of the creators and GMs uh, playing Cyberpunk at the moment. And we're going to have a chat about what we're up to at the moment and discuss a topic, which today will be problem players and safe play in general. So I'm just going to whip around and introduce everybody uh, before I introduce myself. Uh, Simon, why don't you kick off? Sure. Uh, Hi, everyone. I'm Simon at Wandering DM. You can find me a bit all over the internet. Currently running uh, uh, two cyberpunk... No, wait. Uh-oh. Yes, running two live cyberpunk streams and uh, one offline one and also producing another. Fantastic. Uh, Titus. Hi, I'm Titus McNally. I'm one of the GMs for Dark Future Dice, which is uh, Rocket Adrift. Uh, the company is kind of um, actual play podcast. Uh, and you can find us at Dark Future Dice on any of the podcatchers or just search Rocket Adrift. Thank you. And Rob? Hey, I'm Rob Mulligan. I'm the founder of Cyberpunk Uncensored. We do all kinds of stuff, live gameplay, interviews, GM tips, this roundtable series, uh, Night City Live, deep dive series, a bunch of stuff between Twitch and YouTube. And when we get into the next segment, What in the World Building, I'll talk about that a little bit more. (laughs) And uh, I'm Phil. I'm from Baby Beard Media here in Australia. Uh, we, uh, like Dark Future Dice, do a uh, actual play podcast. That's called uh, Roll to Cast. Um, we do a, a different season. Uh, we do a different game every season. So we have a Cyberpunk 2020 game and a Cyberpunk Red game on there as well. 
Um, and I also do uh, a live cyberpunk red game on Fridays, which Simon is the showrunner for. Great. So, yeah, we're now going to kick off into what the world building. We'll explore a little bit more about what we're up to ourselves. Wait, that, what, I believe, what in the we world need to building? see who's quickest on the trigger. Wait, what? What? All right, I'll let that w- one more time just because I always have Wait, to do it what, what in the world building? Yes. Right. Yeah, what in the world building? This is the part where we each get to talk about, you know, what we have going on and such. And, uh, you know, currently and upcoming. Uh, let me open up the uh, the turn order there. If everybody would click on their token and then hit initiative, we can see in what order we will ch- we will talk. <laughs> oh, nice! Damn, we're all kicking ass tonight. Titus trying to roll a d twenty in his uh, cyberpunk game here. <laughs> As do you have it? Does Titus have a character? Yeah, it's sheet? been a it's been a it's been a while since. Oh, yeah. uh... Yeah, Titus, if you go to uh, the top there, right, uh, to the journal tab, you should, yeah. you should be able to open your character sheet, and there's a little initiative die on the top. Oh, fantastic. On the top there. Yeah, Make sure you token selected. Yeah, you got it. All right, perfect. It's like, Phil, you're, you're up first. You got you got first there in the initiative. Fantastic. Straight out of the gate with a, with a D10. Pretty, I can't explode it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm up to a couple of things cyberpunk-related at the moment. So um, the main one, um, which, uh, as I said before, I work with Simon on, is a uh, weekly live stream on uh, the Sirenscape page, uh, Twitch, Twitch page. Sirenscape are this um, great company who do um, soundscapes and backing music. Uh, Rob, you, you've, done, uh, you've got a few tracks snuck on there as well, haven't you, for the cyberpunk sound sets? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're a sponsor of us, and I got to do some voiceover work, and uh, some of my past band's album is on there. Yeah, it's really great. They're actually, one of the cool things is they're part of the community, and they wanted to kind of put this game together, so they asked Artos or in games to put a cast together as well. So um, they really are um, active game players themselves. It's really fun to work with them. Um, I'm, so, excited, yeah, I'm excited that you and Simon actually can talk about it finally. I don't know any, if anybody's been yeah, watching I know, the general right? table. Last time I was on, it was <laughs> it was like the last couple times. It's like, all right, what yeah. in the world building? Well, you know, we're doing what we normally do, and then I've got something really cool I can't talk about in the next episode. <laughs> hey, I still have that cool thing coming up, but I still can't talk about it. Yeah, I know, I know. And now, like, I missed the last one, so now we've been going a couple of weeks. Anyway, the uh, Artosaurian Games put together this awesome cast. Uh, Simon's in the background running all the captions and overlays uh, handling all the the sound effects and organizing some artwork and stuff so it's it's a really cool production to be a part of because it's it's really quality top down uh the cast are really great as well um drawn from all parts of the uh, of the community so you got uh tanya de pass and um kelly butler the opera geek uh mustangs art sarah thompson who recently um uh collaborated uh with uh with mike and the designers on the cyber wheelchair um, she's rocking her cyber chair in the game, which is super rad. She's got the spider chair, so it's a sort of public debut, which is really awesome. Uh, and Gabe as well, um, uh, Gabe James Games. He <laughs> and he's just got the fan favorite character, this gravelly voice. So I'm having tons of fun doing that. Um, I'm playing a really kind of I'm doing a quite role play heavy style, which I really love to do in Cyberpunk because of the crazy people you can meet in this world. And they're just they're just running with it really well, which is really great. So that's called Out on a Limb. It's on Fridays. Um, catch the VODs or the YouTube. Like I said, we got the Roll to Cast. We've got the uh, podcast ongoing, doing Pulp Cthulhu right now. 
And we're also working with another uh, titan of the Cyberpunk Red community um, and Cyberpunk 2020, John John. Uh, we just recorded our second session with John John uh, yesterday, in fact, and he's he's uh, taken the original setting I'm, I'm working on for Cyberpunk Red. It's an anarchist commune in a skyscraper called Heaven, and he's running a game out of that setting that I made. So that's really a big honor. as a lot of fun to be a player as well. I'm playing a 72-year-old med tech uh, called Grandma. So that's that's been a lot of fun. I'm having lots of fun in the cyberpunk world at, at this very moment. So yeah, that's me. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, I'm up next. And yeah, first off, great job on the Sirenscape uh, weekly. I've been tuning into that, and you've been doing an awesome Thanks, job uh, GMing, and the players have been doing great. Simon's been kicking ass behind the scenes. I know he's been, I think, running sounds and taking care of overlays and just kind of producing the whole thing. And um, a lot be, of Wilhelms. Yeah. Everybody's been just kicking ass. It's been awesome. I really enjoy it. And anybody that hasn't checked it out, definitely tune in and uh, check that out. Um, myself, uh, just same thing as always. I'm doing live gameplay every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, I'm doing my monthly ongoing one-shot. They're kind of one-shots, but the lore and characters kind of carry over. I've been doing that regularly. It's kind of being bi-monthly. We'll see how often. I've got another weekly that's going to be coming up uh, soon. Can't talk about that yet. <laughs> but um, I've got uh, you know a couple other things I'm, I'm working on aside from the normal things like the the ongoing series, uh, you know the GM tips, this GM roundtable, putting out the deep dive series, the Night City Live series, just working with as many GMs and people as I can. Also been trying to do more crossover play. I want to you know play in other people's games or even just appear as an NPC. I've been like pre-recording little video things for other GMs here and there and just having fun crossing over. Um, I know Phil uh, Ellen came over with her character and uh, played in our mm. one one shot, and it it was kind of her origin story for her character before she went. That was off so cool. Heaven. Yeah, she's talked about that a lot. Yeah, yeah. that was a lot of fun. Um, and then you know, just really enjoying that. We're also promoting other GMs. We have uh, GM Reservoir Panda every Sunday, 10 a.m. So you can check them out here tomorrow. So just check out Cyberpunk Uncensored on both YouTube and Twitch, so you don't miss anything. We also have a Discord. We're putting out custom uh, uh, screen sheets that GMs can use. We're also showcasing writers and game masters for gameplay. Lots of cool uh, free assets like auto-calculating fillable character sheets, NPC sheets, cyber deck sheets, uh, program cards, um, the GM report card, uh, just all kinds of stuff. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting some. <laughs> but you can basically go to cyberpunkuncensored.com and uh, check out everything. And I do want to mention to anybody watching, uh, when we're done with this and we archive this on the YouTube I'll make sure I get everybody's links and put them in the description uh, so you don't have to memorize all this shit that we're all, all uh, yelling at you. So, All right, cool. Uh, Wandering DM, you're up next. We just... Uh, anyone else not hearing Rob anymore? Are you not hearing oh, me? What? Oh, that's no, I can hear him. him. Yeah, I can oh, hear okay, him. Okay, sorry. Yeah, um, maybe I cut out. I was, I, I was just saying I'm awesome. I'm the greatest GM anyone's ever seen, and I'm sexy as hell, <laughs> and you know it. And uh, Wandering DM, you're up next. How am I going to top that? <laughs> um, so, yeah, as far as um, projects go, uh, Phil talked about the um, uh, cyberpunk game that we have out in the limb. Uh, on, uh, in my case, it's on Thursday, not on Fridays, uh, but yeah, oh, uh, yeah. on the <laughs> Sirenscape channel. Um so yeah, there's that. That's that's yeah. loads of fun. Yeah, you got to remember. Um, don't forget, Phil is from the future. That's yes. correct. I'm ten and a half hours <laughs> in the future. Yeah. 
he lives strictly in the future um but yeah no um the the game is awesome and having uh one of the things that i loved about it is the fact that we actually have custom made music for it oh yeah that's right so that every every player has their like jingle that you can hear in the game um like for example we had a combat i think it was last week well last session actually because this week mm. my computer decided to Hmm. Um, every time, every turn that a pl- or every time a player's turn came up, uh, you could hear their jingle over the combat music. Uh. <laughs> Little things like that, like in an RPG. Uh, but yeah, Fair otherwise, yeah. Um, I've been uh, I've started a cyberpunk red game over on Unmade Gaming. It's a twelve week uh, season. Um, we are right now at episode four. Episode four was this week. And uh, what's fun is that they made a group. And I love them for it. Uh, the highest combat stat in all of them is a 10 in handgun. Like base 10 in handgun. Base 10. I was going to say. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so none of them know how to fight. Different ways. Oh, yeah. They call themselves Team NPC. <laughs> and basically... <laughs> They hire, like they hired an assassin to do the brunt of the work that they had to do for a job. <laughs> so they have right. a netrunner, a fixer, a medtech, and uh, a um, shit. Who's the last one? An exec. So they have a lot of resources. They just don't have anyone to go in and do stuff. <laughs> so it's it's a completely different style of play than you know your your traditional game where you're gonna have most people are you know equipped to deal with violence, um, and it's also the first game where I actually uh, managed to uh, reduce someone's humanity through trauma, and not through like cyberware, because um, they're not used to seeing blood. <laughs> and, I was so proud uh, out of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I also started, if you haven't seen the announcement, um, I am uh, now designing for uh, Art Alsorian Games. Um, I'm working on the Tome of Chaos specifically at the moment for uh, Witcher. Not allowed to talk about it anymore. But uh, yeah, there's that, that cool thing that just happened that's been announced. I think it was like Wednesday this week. Congratulations. I feel like it's really cool mm-hmm. because I feel like we're finally able to you guys are finally able to talk about a couple of things that like have been you know vague as hell the last times that we've all hung out or done this, you know. <laughs> uh, the the, yeah. the reveal, you know, can actually talk about it. Yeah, you just want to make sure things are actually going to happen, you know, before oh, you no, talk totally, about it. Oh no, totally. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Life happens, man. Yeah. Um and uh that's that's mostly it for me actually at the moment. Yeah, cool. Titus, you're up. Um, right now, Dark Future Dice, we are playing uh, a street racing uh, arc where I play an exotic shark man named Finn Diesel. And uh, we are, it's really fun to actually be a player. Uh, haven't had a, a lot of experience, and Pat has taken over as the GM for this one, preparing for uh, book three of our mainline story which will be our transition from the mainland story from cyberpunk 2020 into cyberpunk red and uh yeah just i'm i mainly just do the uh dark future dice podcast 
Rocket Adrift is also a uh, an indie game studio. So we this is kind of started as a team building exercise that ended up spiraling out uh, and and got a little bit of a fandom. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's take it to the next section. Just from the scream sheets here. I think that's me. Yes, from the scream sheets. Uh, today we're going to discuss uh, our topic. Actually, is a safe play and problem players. This is a big umbrella. It covers a lot of things, uh, and we're here to dive into it. And I should roll my initiative. Yeah. It's not working for me. Oh, you click on. Make sure uh, you have your token selected. Yeah, sorry. You got to click on your token and then hit initiative for it to show up in the little turn order thing. You're over on the right there. I'll roll again. We got a tie. Whew. Nice, killing it. Yeah, so you beat me on a tie. So I think I was. What, I was like. I'll you were at eleven. Was tie for, was tie at, for last. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Oh, Quickest cool. to slowest. I get to take a break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> usually, you're you're either twenties uh, or tens. It seems like, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All oh, you, you should see our when our game comes out with uh, with John John our our hapless netrunner Wax. Oh my god! Few ones yesterday. Nice. <laughs> So yeah, it's got like such a, a cool tight... image as well. See, so yeah, Titus, you're up first. Um, I think what we should oh. what we should do here is, uh, you know, let's discuss safe play first. You know, our practices for kind of establishing safe play and such, and then we can kind of uh, get into problem players. What was that? For sure. But me and me and Phil were tied for last, and then I rolled ahead of Phil, so I, I shouldn't be first. That's just me. You sort of being the the you know like bringing my gm energy to that but we were definitely <laughs> we were definitely we we're definitely seeing who went last there but if you want me to oh, start oh okay start. I, I, yeah. I didn't realize that i i didn't realize that yeah you, you two were uh tied and then rolled again it's in the initiative sorry about that okay then i'm first yeah no 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 problem at all. yeah no problem then I'll, I'll go first i don't mind that at all and um like i said we'll go over safe play um, and then we can kind of circle back around and do problem players because they're a little bit different they kind of cross over a bit but for me um, you know, safe play, it, it always starts with session zero. Um, I think there's a lot to do with it. Um, I think Phil put it best when we were chatting about this episode prior to actually putting it together with saying, you know, cyberpunk can hit reality, you know, it can hit close to home for a lot of people because it, it's just lots of crazy subject matter. Um, so for me, it always starts with session zero, talking to the players and going over kind of their limitations um, setting boundaries, limits, preferences of gameplay, and all that good stuff. I've been lucky that, um, you know, since the beginning of playing back in the day all the way till now, and even with streaming, all my players have been completely open with everything for the most part, and we've all agreed on the same things like, you know, let's not get into talking about this sort of subject matter in detail, but this we can elaborate on, and no one wants to talk about this and this and this, like, you know, the typical things. And, and we all agreed, and that we went over that in session zero. Um, I think that's where every good game master starts with setting their boundaries, limits, and all that stuff. Um, and then obviously as you're going, you know, reading facial expressions and body language, 
Um, you know, I think every good GM is good at that, or, or at least thinks they're good at that. Hopefully, has read up on those subjects and studied, you know, the science behind some of those things to actually be good at it. Because there is a difference between everyone thinking that they're good at reading people and actually being able to read people, and then also knowing the little nuances that come into play depending on situations, you know, environment uh, influence and stuff like that. Um, because role playing can be tricky. Um, you know, it's hard to always read people like that, but you kind of have to. And if you see if certain things are getting sticky or touching too close to home, it's your job as the GM to kind of shift things a bit, change the mood. Um, but most of it should be set in session zero. But like I said, you, you got to read it as you go. Um, one thing that I've created is uh, the GM report card. I mentioned it earlier as one of the assets. And it's helped me at least at the end of every main campaign, uh, getting feedback from all the players, not just on general, you know, being a game master and improving my skill is that, but also kind of seeing what they want more and less of. And I break down different aspects of the game subject matter wise and such. So that's helped. But above all of that, you know, like I said, starting with session zero, it always comes down to communication. And I think that if, if there was, you know, two main things to say, it'd be session zero communication, you know, all those details I just talked about, those two right there are the main to focus on. And if you're going to remember one thing to take away when it comes to safe play, I think communication, you know, whether it be talking to the players as a whole before and after sessions, taking a break in the middle if things are getting sticky and you're, you know, you're not reading things right or having private conversations with players about things to make sure everything's cool. Um, but I think that's, you know, the, some of the, the main important parts to, to making sure you're, you know, you're having some good safe play. Now, Rob you, Rob, you said you've been really lucky that, you know, you've been role playing a long time with, you know, people who are cool, you know, and you trust, but, uh, with the, with the, um, community picking up the way it is for Cyberpunk Red, I think a lot of people will be, you know, there's a lot of people looking for group. There's a lot of people who are going to be playing in pickup groups and looking for strangers. And I think the points that you raise are even more important when you're playing with people you, you don't necessarily know, you don't oh, know that well, um, you know, coupled with that idea, as, as we were discussing, that there can be some pretty gnarly topics and some pretty nasty stuff happens in cyberpunk. So if you're if you're a player um, or you are looking to GM a, a pickup group, um, I would emphasize, you know, uh, everything that um, that Robert said even more. Um, if you have playing with very close friends, often, um, you know, beyond a quick cursory chat, you're sort of on the same wavelength and you can be like, okay, yeah, we, we know each other, this is okay, we've given room to discuss it, and we can just kind of get on with it. But if it is a pickup group, th- that kind of work is so, so important. Um, uh, and something, and one thing to add, too, is that preliminary yeah, session zero to talk to people is sometimes you got to get that info in private, especially if it's new people, mm. because sometimes people don't want to talk it during a session zero in front of other players, like, hey, I don't want to touch on this subject matter because of my experience with that, and it's like, it might be embarrassing or something along those lines, or maybe just something they don't want to talk about in public. So sometimes it's also good to, you know, get a little feedback in private or have the players email you, you know, just let me know what subject matters you don't want me to touch on or things that we didn't cover in session zero. Yeah. Never, ever ask anyone to justify that choice. Right. Yeah. Just, you know, if you GM and they say, I don't want this, don't say, Oh, why is that? Just say, great. Thanks for telling me and note it down. Oh it's yeah, and important. I think uh, Gonzo in chat too is Eric. He plays Coupler, the tech in my weekly ongoing. Uh, do you think GMs, when creating a, a game, they should use a type of film rating system so potential players can get a general idea without giving away plot points? No, I think most definitely. I think a lot do. I think like when you see the games that are like posted on Roll Twenty in the sites, 
and different groups I've seen, like in our Discord, when other GMs or players are petitioning, um, they, they kind of mention things like that. Like, you know, this is what I'm going, this is kind of what the campaign's about. We're going to touch on these subjects and things like I have kind of seen that. And I agree. I think it's a good thing to, to have. And uh, maybe even simplifying it, like you said, give it a, a rating like a film almost. You know what I mean? I want to add to that that I think that it is your job as the GM to be able to improvise if you had something planned and the players that are joining your group aren't interested in going down those avenues. Like I think it is the onus is on you as the GM to be able to adapt if uh, if what you wanted the story you want to tell can't go in the direction that you want to take it because players aren't interested in going there. I think you have to understand that you, your job is to serve the players and to make them the heroes of this story and that doesn't work if it's going to be a story that they don't want to participate with. And that can be difficult for people because I think that a lot like the, the, one of the most difficult things about being a GM is being able to let go of your sort of precious storylines or your precious NPCs. Right. But uh, I think that the best kind of uh, role playing happens in that collaborative environment. And you have to be prepared to think on your feet 100%. and to uh, and to take things in directions uh, that you don't expect. And, you're, and a lot of times you're reacting to these things. Oh, 100%. Uh, so, yeah. And it always happens, you know, like players are always going to think outside the box, throw you a curveball. And, you know, most of the time it's going to make the story, like you said, more collab- collaborative and even better. It's going to be bigger, deeper, way, way more fun. And that's the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but Simon, yeah, I, think I think you should cherish those things, you know, oh, cherish those moments when the, when the player takes your story off the railroad or completely throws you a curveball. You should kind of be thankful. And I know that can be difficult uh, when you start out. out. Because you you want everything to be perfect and planned. Oh, yeah. It never is. Especially like when, you know, new GMs, you know, you'll kind of like write out every, every part of the campaign that you're going to do. And you're like, this yeah. is exactly what's going to happen. And then it, it never fucking does. And then you're just like, <laughs> no, no. Oh, my God. No, no, no. Guys, back over here. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, that, and, and if you're dealing with that, it's harder to, it's harder to um, keep that broad view of the game as a whole. And thereby look after your players and look after their emotions, right? If you're too focused on, oh, it has to happen this way you might get into an unsafe situation, an emotional situation, because you're too rigid about what you want to do next. Exactly. No, yeah, or I even just, just like a situation that isn't fun. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to be able to get that read just on whether people are comfortable, but whether also that they're engaging with the story and that they're, and they're liking it. Like, because it's possible mm-hmm. to do something that's totally safe, but also totally boring. Right. No, 100%. Yeah, well, we can't, I can't help you. <laughs> I can't help people not be boring. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, okay. um, <laughs> Simon, uh, before we, you know, yeah. keep, keep running off with it, let's let's have you talk about <laughs> safe play. Let's uh, let's get your feelings, yeah. your thoughts on your process here. Um, so safe play is always like paramount in any of the games that I run. Um, it's it's one thing, of course, to you know make sure that every player is safe. Um, around the table and they feel comfortable sharing because that's one thing with role-playing games is that you have to have this certain vulnerability towards the other players if you want to really like almost like establish a sort of chemistry the reason why you have uh people that are so good 
like on screen, for example, between actors is because they have this chemistry, but they know they can trust one another. When you're playing with strangers, that one thing that's going to help you establish this trust is to have access to this, for example, list of lines and veils of things that mm. you don't want to have in the campaign and nobody wants to have so that you know at least where to set yourself. Like, I will not GM group A the same way I GM group B because I know that group A is not into whatever, 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 but that group B is. So I know where to, to gauge my things. And uh, it ensures that even among the players that there is at least this like basic um, level of, of trust that is established. And then from then on, you can, you can build anything that you want. Um, if, if the players trust each other and if they have this sort of chemistry, um, that's where you will have you know, awesome role-play moments where yeah, things get a, real. That's a great point that I you know, didn't even think of from that angle, you know, focusing on what, what the process of making sure you have safe play and all that. But also great to mention, like, you know, one of the main purposes to have that is, you know, not just to have a safe play and gameplay, but the best possible role-playing that you can have because you are in a situation where everyone has to have that chemistry. You have to have that trust. Everyone has to feel comfortable being vulnerable. And, and it totally reminded me of uh, uh, Ariel who plays uh, Hollow Our MedTech just this last Wednesday in a kind of emotional, sticky situation. She actually like cried with one of the NPCs about some crazy stuff. And it was just really awesome. And it was really awesome. And at the end, she was just like, oh, did I go too far? I was like, no, that was perfect. That was awesome. But, you know, it's like that sort of moment where like even after going through it and how amazing it was, she was still in that vulnerable moment, obviously, to at the end be saying, was that too much? And it's like... Mm. Of course not. That was amazing. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's, it's like a GM's uh, dream, right? Like to have a, a player that puts that level of commitment in. Yeah, it mm -hmm. was amazing. So uh, I, that was a great, great point to bring up there, Simon, I think. And then feels controlled and fulfilled enough to be like, well, I, I had fun expressing these emotions and like, you know, opening out in this way. Not that they felt like it, it, it was sort of something that, that got out of their hand, you know? They just, they got carried away with it and they were just like, so invested they didn't they didn't know if it was too too much in the moment or not and i think that is what's so so beautiful about that sort of thing yeah do you do a yeah. session zero two simon is that like your main focus for kind of setting those yep. terms and you do like like i was Always. saying kind of like a private talk with people also to make sure everyone's comfortable and all that so how do you do it it starts it starts with a session zero if everyone can make it if some people can't make it i'm gonna have like a private session with them to go over what's been said and done um and uh of course nothing is ever set in stone all of the the tools that i use uh i keep telling my players they are not permanent and they it's a dynamic um living document if something you know you might say for example um i'll give an example i don't mind uh violence towards animal animals i how dare Let's you? Say, in your bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a hypothetical <laughs> oh, yeah. now. In your because yeah. it is, it is one of the things I don't Let's put in. Let's clarify that. <laughs> it's real dark. We're, we're, in the, we're in the realm of the hypothetical right now. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's say that this is something that I'm okay with. But then my dog dies like two days before the next mm. game. Mm. I really don't want to hear about 
animal death or whatever of the sort. So I'll go, and that's what I tell my players, is don't worry if something changes in your life, in your situation. Go on the document, add it, it's anonymous. Like, that's the one thing that I stress, is the document is anonymous. And you add your thing, and I look at it before every game. So if I see, for example, one day that, oh, this was okay, but it's not okay today. If it was something that I had planned in my session, then I'll scrap it, I'll change it. Um, it's um, it's something that needs to, um, you know, not that needs to happen, but it's something that will happen and you have to keep your mind open that, you know, if if one person said that, oh, it's fine to have a, like, super violent game, and then one day they're just like, you know what, no, tonight I don't want to have to deal with violence. I want something quiet. Um, you have to be on board with it, and you have to, like uh, Titus said earlier, like, you have to not cling to your stuff um, and be able to change things even on the fly. Yeah, yeah and I, I, think, I think if you've done, like, the work that Rob says... To, to sort of get this, the right expectations for your group. Um, and as you say, um, Simon, like you are GMing the group the way that group wants to be GMed, you sort of tailored it to them. Then you, when you deviate, as Titus suggests, you know, to, to, to adapt to the circumstances, it's not like you're not jumping from you know trains to planes you're just changing tracks you know because everybody knows you know kind of your shared um your shared objectives and when you have to deviate it's not like you have to throw everything away you're just adjusting you know the story that you're all telling together yeah all right so who who's how i know you guys tied and then did it again so now it's over to titus right okay cool yeah Titus. yeah (laughs) yeah i i uh i completely agree with what you guys have uh already said so, um, you know, about the document, about session zero. So I just want to kind of add two uh, other things to that, to the discussion. And one I think is that it's important uh, that I said, you know, you should improvise. But I think it's important that you as a GM or referee have your own kind of lines. You know, that if, if you get a group of gamers and they want to play an extremely violent uh, murder hobo type campaign and that just isn't the type of thing you want to do you i think should be able to 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 realize when that's not your thing and and to have your own lines. Point. you know like it's important that you're also comfortable yeah it does and go so both ways i didn't you know i didn't think yeah. about it that really yeah and sometimes a player can go in a direction and you have to, you have to sometimes shut them down because you have your own kind of thing where you're like this isn't comfortable for me and uh Mm. my advice for i guess people that are kind of looking for groups uh in in shared spaces you know through discord or that kind of thing because i don't really i've the people i gm with uh you know they're my best friends and i work with them uh, and have been collaborating with them for years so we really are uh in tune with things uh but we also still do all of this stuff but my recommendation is kind of one of commitment. And that is if you're going into something new as a player, the level of commitment I think you should have is a one shot. 
a one shot that can kind of that can snowball into a bigger campaign if you're comfortable with it. That's a good idea. And I think I think if you're a GM too, you should write a very simple story and maybe you have this sprawling epic where uh with all these dark themes and that kind of thing. I think you should save that or maybe you can pepper in little um hints at it in your one shot if this if this ends up if it, jiving with your players and they want to continue playing this and they're like more and more and more and then you, you can slowly kind of see where that is. But I think you should really start it light and fun and uh, also keep the commitment small and, and build up your trust with that team uh, as you go. Like don't jump into something where you're going to have to back out because you didn't really know this guy and he ends up being, completely unbearable or uh, wants to do some kind of weird stuff in his game that's a great idea i didn't you know like a little test one shot to test it out and um and yeah we'll talk about guys that have done weird things in games and all that when we talk about problem players in here just a moment (laughs) but no i I love that idea you know like a couple things you mentioned there is like you know to not forget it does go both ways you know gms are getting uncomfortable with the direction players are going that they can kind of Hold on a minute here. <laughs> you know, they, they're yeah. your feelings and you're, you're, you know, you're a person too. You should be, uh, you know, a part of the process. So I think that's great to, to take account for. And then your idea of doing a, a kind of test run, you know, do a little one shot and make sure everyone's cohesive. Everyone's getting along, you know, no one's a loose cannon crazy and ruining it for the rest and whatever. And then if everyone, yeah, before you going, dump your and, whole expectations yeah. and emotions into it, right? Yeah, yeah. Or like you said, you know, you're you're embarking on this huge epic campaign. It's going to take all this time, and then by second session, you're like, I don't think this okay. is the right team. Damn it! Well, yeah. I guess we're we're locked in for the next uh, two months. Yeah, months right. like, yeah. Shit! Here we go. Six years. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if that, if, uh, no, I think great points to make. Uh, I think. We'll, yeah, we'll you guys fill. already covered all. I think all the. No, and, yeah, that, that's how like, it always yeah, is. Every time we hit a subject, how, how, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, just just to, to round it out with a couple of uh, other little things. So picking up on something Rob said at the beginning um, uh, about the responsibility of being a GM. Now I, I don't want to make it sound too onerous to people, um, too heavy to carry. But um, the truth is that when you are GMing for a group, especially when you're playing a game with you know realistic characters and and realistic issues, um, e- even if it's in a in a near future setting, you know the the stuff that happens is uh, a lot more grounded than some other role playing games. Um, you have a responsibility to your players, and as a GM, okay, you're not their therapist, but you have a responsibility to everyone to provide. A safe place and a, uh, uh, a kind of mediating force should things go wrong for people. And I think if you're not prepared to do that, then maybe GMing isn't for you yet. Uh, and when you're ready to do that, you know, and, and you can, then maybe look at it again. But you should seriously think about if is that something you could do, especially for a group of internet strangers. Um, I, I know that, you know, that sounds a bit gatekeepy maybe, but uh, it's very important um, that, you know, some really nasty things can can come up in terms of grief and and loss and trauma. Uh, you know that that um, if you don't if you're not prepared to handle can can really hurt people. Um, I think there's there's a saying that you know no role play is better than bad role play. It's kind of the opposite of the pizza rule. 
Um, and uh, I, I definitely believe in that, you know. Uh, so do do take it seriously. Obviously, you are allowed to have fun too. But um, I think the Session Zero stuff and, and you know, at least, uh, at least, you know, addressing this stuff is not optional, especially when you're playing Cyberpunk. Uh, it really is a part of the process of building a good game. So, so don't skip it. Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk about is is kind of stuff you have, tools you have ongoing in the game. So uh, I think two good ones, you know, you have the, the document you can look at every week, but, you know, during play, uh, timeouts and sidebars are, are, are really, really useful tools as a GM. So if, if things are getting, and this is, you know, maybe if we talk about problem players, you know, if people are clashing, you know, someone's causing a fuss around the table or as we're talking about someone's just, you, you recognize someone's having a kind of a bad time with the subject matter. It's okay for you to say, okay, uh, let's just take a break right here. I need to get some water or whatever, you know, frame it however you like, you know, cooling the situation and taking a timeout. Uh, very, very good for just diffusing things. Uh, basic conflict resolution stuff, five or ten minutes can just lower the temperature really fast. And then you can then you can actually see what the problem was and get around it. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, is that, is that sidebar. When we're playing online via camera, um, you know, you can have a chat open, you know, and you can have a private chat and players can shoot things to you, and that's great. So you can sort of adjust things on the fly. Not quite so easy when you're playing. One of the, you know, weirdly converse things that actually is harder when you're in person is for someone to kind of give you a kind of quiet message to the side. So if you're playing live, you know, you have to establish that the person can go, you know, whether it's a, you know, a hand signal or whatever, or, or, or whatever you want to do, you know, a person can just go, hey, I, I need to talk to you about this. Uh, can we stop there? And that's about, again, building that trust to say, it's okay if you do this. It's okay to take sidebars. And a lot of the time, people take sidebars for private character stuff. So it can be part of your game anyway. You go, actually, I need to tell you something that's not not part of the whole the whole deal, you know. Um, and so it doesn't have to be like, a, oh, this person's stopping the game for an issue. You know, if you already have uh, an established practice of players being able to kind of tell you private information if it affects the game. So, yeah, you can keep it um, anonymous in that way as well, even if you're playing firsthand. Um, but as part of that session zero and everything we've been talking about, do make sure that players understand that those tools are available to them too. It's like, Hey, you know, if you need to say something privately, just, just do so. If you need to take a time out, just do so, you know, let them know the tools that are available on their side as well and how to use them. Um, because they will, they'll see you, see you uh, a long way if things do go wrong in your games. And Phil, I just want to say that I think that that break thing that you're talking about is very powerful, and I think it's a good idea to have regularly scheduled breaks mm. in your gameplay anyway, uh, because that's a good time for everyone to walk away from the table uh, and just take a little break. And it's also a good time, I think, for you to be able to check in with people. Like if you mm. were playing the game and you thought you may have picked up on something, but you weren't exactly sure and the player didn't, uh, mention anything you know it, it could be a good time to just be able to have those conversations and also to just check in with everybody yeah it's and a great I think point. like phil said with cyberpunk it's totally different than other you know most other not all but most other role-playing games that are more fantasy based where it's easier to kind of separate and have i don't know i want to say a less invested or more casual time fun with it because it's completely fantasy but 
cyberpunk can be a, a little more real, you know, and, and a lot of the subject matter can can be, a, you know, a, a bit more real and rough for people. Uh, so it's it's very important. So I think it's the great point to say is, you know, you don't skip it. You never skip a session zero. Uh, you never skip, you know, prep time for that with the players and such. Um, cause it's One of the things that's, that's so attractive about the game is that it is it's gritty and it, you know the world's exploitative and dangerous um and and bad things happen that's what's part of the excitement of the game you know um so it's it's kind of natural that those those things are, you know it's it's the double edged sword right it cuts both ways that's what is what makes it what makes it so great is what makes it so dangerous oh yeah exactly exactly um, so yeah, let's hop over to uh, you know real quick. I just want to uh, go over the problem player sort of thing, and I hate saying problem players. It's more of like problem behavior because it's just like that saying, like you know, where you hear like it's I I don't not like you. I just don't like what you're doing. Like you know what I'm saying? Like so, it's really problem behavior, not problem players. But if we could each just take a few minutes um, just to describe you know, dealing with that, if we've had experience with that or anything to say about it, we'll just keep the same initiative for the sake of streamlining this. Um, for me, I think uh, it's been, um, you know, toxic player uh, that maybe wants to dominate or be negative or a backseat GM. And I dealt with that a long time ago. Um, and an example of that would be, um, you know, during gameplay, trying to do a move and was just, you know, it didn't work out in his favor and was just like, hey, he completely stopped the game was like, and why not? And got like all like standoffish and crazy, even talking like that. And it was just really like set me off because it was completely out of character, out of game. And then was like argumentative about that or whatever and, and was talking about uh, why the rules didn't make sense. And, and uh, before I could even reply, another player had to interject and was like, well, you know, that's a contested role. Um, you lost it. And I, and, and I was like, that's exactly what happened. It's contested in this situation. And, you know, it doesn't, it's, it's not that simple. So it doesn't work, you know, that way every time. So that's the kind of thing that I've had to deal with in the past. One time uh, in my history of playing with players, I, like I said, I've been pretty lucky. All my players have been really flexible, really awesome, very nice people, you know. Um, but I had that one toxic player and it didn't last. Uh, he ended up quitting after just a, a few weeks, probably just butting heads in that sense a few too many times. Um, for me, it just came down to communication um, I, I really talked to him about it, but it didn't fix it. You know, he kept going on about it. The one thing I didn't try doing, um, which I've seen online people talk about is, um, you know, a po possible one-shot GM. Like, you know, the person that's that backseat GM or they're constantly dominating, taking over the game for all other players and stuff, maybe let them try to GM a game. And sometimes I've heard that that's, you know, shook them <laughs> out of that vibe or something. I, I can't picture that. I've never tried it. They get a, They get more of a... A holistic view of what's happening. Yeah. I think that's the idea. Then they get to be in your shoes yeah. for a moment and see shit. I th maybe I'm being kind of mean and a dick sometimes, or a jerk. I don't know. Maybe that's Especially the idea. Especially if they've never, if they've never GM before. Often, you're, it's never happened to me personally, but I've read about it online of people that exactly like the situation you're describing, Rob. And once the person GM for the first time, they went like, "Oh, oh, that is a lot more complicated than I thought." Right. I feel I like, like it could go one of two ways, though, because in, in a way, it's kind of like giving them what they want and rewarding. I know that's behavior. what that's so, why I don't I don't know about it. Yeah, I, I've never done it, but like I said, I like Simon said, I read if online. You're kind of like an empathetic person. They, it may open their eyes to be like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. no, this is right. very difficult. But if they're just if they if they have that mentality, 
sometimes nothing will I change think, that. You know? I, I think there, there, you, the detail of that is exactly that, like you just said. I think, you know, when it comes to someone that's dominating game, being real negative and always combative when it comes to rules and being a backseat GM, maybe that's not the base, best toxic player to get, give that GM spot. They're not going to be empathetic and really it's <laughs> yeah, not going to work. I, I wouldn't want to be maybe, in that game. Right, know? but maybe maybe yeah. if it's just someone that's like super nice and they're not dominant and they're doing everything mm. perfect, but they're constantly backseat GMing and pushing the rules, mm. maybe let them, do you want to GM? Maybe you should GM, you know, and let them try it. It's, maybe it's, someone yeah. like that might might see it a little better. Yeah. The only other type of uh, problem player I've ever had, um, and this has happened uh, actually a few times throughout the years of GMing, are quiet players, but it's never lasted. Um, you know, where like they they rarely role played. They were just focused on the mechanics. You know, rolling dice, just getting through it. They were always quiet. They let other players kind of dominate the situation a little bit, even though they weren't trying to dominate. You know, just by being quiet. And um, and all I did with uh, people that do that is I encourage the gameplay. You know, I'll basically try to give them a little bit of focus, make sure that some sessions involve, you know, their life path, some things with them. I'll give them some direct confrontations and conversations and role play opportunity and then really reward it. You know, like just like the re- repercussions and reward system that comes with role playing, you know, just like get them a little more invested. And every time if I see someone kind of being quiet, give them a little bit of focus, twist up the story a little to kind of bring them in a little bit more and it kind of shakes them out of it and it always seems to work and I've never um, had it be that big of a problem. So th- those are the only yeah, problem players I've personally. ever had. What was that? Yeah, I, don't take it personally. Um, right. You know, just just uh, usually as we were talking about in the last thing, it's a trust thing, right? People need to trust before they can open up. And some people are slower to trust than others and they're probably holding back for that reason, not because they don't like your game or whatever reason. And as, as Rob says, you know, you put, you invest that effort into that player, um, gently. And then nine times out of 10, they'll, they'll bring it back to you tenfold. Yeah. Oh yeah. But then you also have players who are quiet because they just, they don't like role playing necessarily. They like the game, mm. but, Want, you know, yeah, the way they, that they role play is in that third person talk more than being in the role player or whatever. Exactly. They, yeah, that's true too. And, good point. And like they have they have a good time. Like if if they were in a TV series, for example, they'd be like some sort of um, uh, secondary character type of thing. Supporting, supporting cast. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Have you had? You know, it's your turn, anyways, Simon. Why don't you? Have you had? Uh, speaking of problem players, have you had different? problem players or versions of that over your time uh yeah someone in chat just reminded me of one Uh-oh. um it's them so also, <laughs> no it's not them uh, but i'll start with the with that uh backseat players so you talked about rub the uh the backseat gm uh, but you can also have backseat players that will you know oftentimes dictate to other players what they should be doing at that time that's a good point like oh yeah no you shouldn't do that you should do that like don't do this, do that. Oh yeah, but you no, it's it's not it's not optimal Ugh. to do whatever course of action that you. Yeah, th- there was a like shiver when I said that word. Um, <laughs> but that that that's one. The other that I found is um, strangely enough a um, especially with cyberpunk and other maybe like darker. I saw cult earlier mentioned in chat. Um, sometimes, even as a player, you have to sort of know when to say no to a game. 
there's nothing wrong with realizing that Cyberpunk might not be the game for you. Because the themes, just the basic, you know, we're talking like basic, you open the book, you don't change anything. Um, maybe it doesn't appeal to you. And you sh there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I'm going to sit this one out. I don't like that type of game. Um, and I've had trouble with some players who were like, not only did they stay, but they ended up, one, not having a good time at all, hating it, but also making everyone else that liked the game hate it as well. Uh, that's a good point, too, is like it, it can, the toxicity can spread, you know, if you don't nip it yeah. in the bud, so to speak, or remedy the situation it'll fucking infect everyone it can, it can do that you know yeah and it's not it's not wrong to say like when what you said earlier with the one shot idea uh titus you play a one shot of cyberpunk and then you realize yeah you know what i wow corporate america drowning other people and everyone living in in poverty and shit everywhere and i live that on a day-to-day -day basis i don't want to play that in a game then instead of saying change your whole game for me, maybe you should just step this one out. Yeah. Titus, have you? Uh... You know, I've had uh, like at, at, at this point in my role playing experience. Well, you said it's been your friends, I've, right? So it's all. Yeah, well, I've had I've had great experiences now, but I've definitely, um, you know, I've been doing this. Sin, for a very long time and uh, when I was quite young and a teenager so I've had a gamut of terrible experiences but I sort of stopped and then I started again with uh, Pat and Lindsay and I've played other games and it's been fantastic but uh, my experiences have been a lot more with like terrible kind of horror story DMs in the past rather than with players but I, I still think that there are two kind of problems that I see come up a lot with uh, with players. And and they're not the really the horror story type of ones, but they are kind of basic ones that I think are correctable. Uh, the one that it, uh, I think you touched upon, Simon, is that sometimes people kind of get roped into this. You know, they don't really want to be a role-playing, but if you, it's a group of friends, you know, oh, come, like one person could bring someone along that just really isn't, uh, interested in this or interested in doing that or they find it boring. And I feel like it, it, it's like, like you said, Rob, one person can really infect the entire mood. And if it, it is about being vulnerable and if you feel really self-conscious about that in that environment, it can kind of throw everyone else off. So sometimes there's just a person that just shouldn't be doing this. That's a good point. And the other one uh, that I think comes up a lot and i i do believe this is from a kind of transition from from video games and simon you made me think about this when you said the optimal route is that people think that this is a game that needs to be won <laughs> rather than a, a story that needs to be collaborated and and create something interesting so when people do that kind of min maxing or their every decision comes from what would be the optimal strategy rather than from a right. place of character i find that that can be uh i think you can have one 
person in a group, if other people are carrying the role playing, that one can be the like personalityless solo that's you know just offing people, shooting them in the headshot every time, aimed headshot, you know. But if if they aren't if if everybody isn't is trying to kind of win every scenario, you're never going. They're going to be upset think, when they when they lose things, like you said about mm-hmm. that one person freaking out because of a contested role, right? Like that's when the game gets interesting, and and it can be difficult, I, I think, for people I to think understand. That's the point, that. isn't it? Mm-hmm. That failure yeah. should be interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you kind of coax people out of that. Um, I agree. It is is don't just kind of cut them off for a failure or punish them for a failure. Make failures. Uh, make the session more fun, you know, make it yeah. more nail biting, yeah. more tense, you know. And so often one of those things for me as a GM is to say um, a failed role means yes, but mm. it means you get the door open, but you set off the alarm, mm. right? It's not just no, the door doesn't open. It's depend, you know, and it's right. up to you story uh you don't always have to say a blank no you can use it to ratchet up the 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 tension you know and and suddenly those players uh, are having a good time regardless whether they win or lose and i think if you can provide that for them hopefully they'll they'll come out of it yeah and i think, yeah, I think I, some people are just natural kind of min maxers and can't uh, uh, like even fathom the idea of, of of being vulnerable or losing but most people like you mm-hmm. said once they see how interesting a failure can be uh or a fumble in the case of 2020 i think they they can start to get it you know and and especially yeah. if it's funny or if it you know if it, it ratchets up the tension or if it just makes the narrative more interesting in some way mm. Exactly, and I think that's one of the great advantages it, of of the cyberpunk game. And I think one of the things be. you said too about yeah. making you know some players, it's it's not a problem player. It's hard to phrase this, but if that problem behavior is actually part of the role playing and it makes sense, and let me explain that. You know, in in my one shot, we have a rocker boy that sometimes the team before they set off to do something they're like oh let's think about how we're going to do this and approach and maybe let's look for a system and then maybe we go over here and then he's like fuck that david noir doesn't wait around for nothing he walks right up he bangs on the door this is david noir who the fuck's in there and like you know even (laughs) even though he has like low body he plays that cocky rocker he's walking down the middle of the street with his gun out shoot bullets are going by while other people dodge he's just like taking the hits and like he's already had like two criticals he's had to replace both hands he's like rob i'm playing i'm role-playing him the way that David Noir needs to play, so don't be scared to kill him. I mean, I'm not saying kill him, but I'm going to role-play him like that crazy mm-hmm. rocker boy that's, like, careless about his safety and just wants to, like, get that fame and just be... And I was like, okay. So, like, in the last couple sessions, I made specific situations where it was really difficult to be play it like that so other players could play it the way that they want you know what i mean and kind of be a bit mm. more tactful and it worked out and he had fun doing that too and it just but he still role played it proper like ah you know i'm gonna give you guys 30 more minutes before i just set the fucking place on fire <laughs> figure out how we're doing this you know like but but in some cases that self-awareness in his body yeah yeah right. sometimes <laughs> what might appear is like bad player behavior or something is 
just really role played well. Like you said, that mid that min max uh, of uh, that solo, for instance, that's just super tactful. Maybe yep. they they want to be like Pixie on her one shot. It's uh, Cody's wife, Tarabella Pondsmith, and she's really all about like maxing and being that. Just but she's like she, she wants to be that solo that's like borderline cyber psycho has like layered up on her, all the cyber thing. Like yeah. and that's part of the role play she's being. You know, so like in some cases. It, that was a great point to make, Titus, but in some cases it can make sense in the game, you know? Or oh, character. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think, I think your point there, Rob, is that person um, was aware in your story. They were aware of, like, that that behavior on the part of their character could be problematic, you know? And they took time to say, look, this is what I intend to do, okay? Kill me, you know, for, face me with the consequences, you know, but... I, I think this is justified. You know, they didn't just do it and and um, kind of screw the consequences for the other players. Right. They weren't trying to take over the game. They were trying to play no. that rocker boy the best that they could. And I really like that, you know? And like, and he's got fans of people that watch him. They're like, oh, they love it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that that's how communication can let you build in those things to make your game better. You know, mm. that's why communication is so important. Um and uh, can I, if I can just sort of round off this, this yeah, section. Yeah, so it's you, over to you. Go for you it. If you finish, Titus. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think my takeaways, you know, are a couple of things. It's okay to walk away. Um, as we started out with Rob, you know, sometimes the player just doesn't fit and they end up leaving. Or, you know, you, you, the game doesn't work. And we talked about that commitment thing earlier. It's okay. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Not everyone is for every game. And just, just let that go. That's okay. And to... Uh, and, and as building on what we were just talking about there, Rob, is a bit of self-awareness. Now, so I'll, I'll talk about my, my experience as, as you know, displaying problem behavior myself because I GM a lot um, in different games and I have a brain that, like, absorbs the rules. Like, I, I know, lo- like, a, a, a decent chunk of what all the five... Uh, fifth edition spells do you know i can just like oh this one's this and it aims in a cone and stealth works like this and backstab works works like this you know and it can be really hard when you suddenly then are being a player and you see the rules being applied incorrectly you know and you're like mm, i know i'm not gming but like this situation would should resolve this way and in the past, I've not been able to help myself. And it doesn't help the game. It doesn't make that player, other player feel good to be like, oh, what? oh, you know, the GM's like, oh, this person is making me look bad or interrupting my flow. And the other person is like, why are you interfering with my moment or my scene? You know, and you just do. But internally, you, you think you're like, oh, I, I can help everyone by by showing them the correct way to do it. You know, I can answer this question they're having. So often the person isn't doing it just to be an asshole, right? Or just to to have attention on themselves. A lot of the time a person has bad behavior because it's misguided intentions, right? Um, and what it took for that to happen, uh, for that to be corrected for me, was it to be pointed out and my GM to say, hey, uh, one of my players is saying, could you, could you stop doing this? And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> of course. Yes, of course I can. Um, uh, you know, I, I let my um, habits get the better of me. So my lesson from that is to 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 don't write people off if they have bad behavior, right? And as as Rob pointed out at the beginning, it's not problem people; it's problem behavior. 
and understand that 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 nine times out of ten people aren't just being malicious or or just dickheads for the sake of it you know there's a reason in in internally usually that that um that person is behaving poorly or affecting the game so have a bit of understanding have some empathy try to understand why the person in your game is behaving the way they are and often all it takes is a little a little gentle nudge or free be pointed out to them and just shown to them as we were saying you know make them play uh make them gm you know i think you can even a kernel of that can be helpful you just like hey that you know someone's not naming names you know someone said hey this is affecting their play <coughs> often that's all you need yeah you go, <laughs> that's like this person sucks please get rid of them no you, you, you um, totally not, not to interject yeah. but you reminded me i i actually do that in session zero i typically tell players i'm like you know i memorize the rules as best as i can i go over them I'm, i feel like i'm on point with that shit but at any moment in a game if we're doing something you're like oh no i think that's this way they can say it it doesn't hurt my feelings but what i do tell them is like we're not going to harp on it you know i am the gm if you say it and i go ah and you reminded me and i think that's correct cool if not and i go no no I think it's this way. We're going with my way. And then after the session's all over, we can look it up and go, ah, shit, you were right. Or, oh, no, you know what? You were right. But we're not going to sit there and argue or harp on it or spend a lot of time looking it up. Uh, And the other thing I've kind of done during sessions, because, you know, we live stream, so you try to keep things moving, is like if I get to a point where it's like, oh, I think it's done this way. We're going with that. Um, Then we move to the next player. I might be like, but in the meantime, if you have the rule book open, if you just look that up, just make sure we did that right. And then we'll move on to the next player, keep the game moving. And then they'll interject like, oh, actually, it's this. Okay, cool. And we'll fix it or no, you were right. And but um, but I think that's a good point to make is, uh, you know, that you don't want to you don't want to sit there and argue about the rules. And you don't want whether you're a player or GM or DM or whatever. Don't spend a lot of time with the back and forth on that. I think it's good to kind of give that responsibility to your GM or DM, allow all the players to have fun, roll with it. It is a game. And then at the end, after the session's all over, you can always backtrack and double check and make sure moving forward, everything's done correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard to let go of if you're a GM as a player, but uh, it, it's better if you do. I, le- I learned that lesson. Well, especially like you, you know, like, well, all of us, you know, we all GM way more than we get to play. So like when you do play, you're like, um, uh, oh, <laughs> you know, like sometimes, you know, like you'll try to remember things because it's, it's much easier from the player's seat than the GM seat because the GM, when you're in the GM seat, you're juggling way more, you oh know what God, I mean? Yeah. So it's much easier like for a player to go, oh, <laughs> you know. One, one of the things that I've uh, told myself to get over because I had the same problem as, uh, as Phil uh, is nowadays when I sit down at a table, I remind myself before the game, whatever the GM says, that's their call. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about it after the game if there's something. But you know what? Whatever they say, if they butcher a rule completely, either they did it on purpose or they forgot or whatever, no big deal. I agree. The only time that I might be like, uh, let's just open the book two seconds is like if something is so important to the moment or whatever. Important, right? yeah. yeah, like important enough that the life of a player hangs in the balance. There you go. Yeah, right. good point. Like then it might be a little better to just double check to make <laughs> sure because PC death, you know, PC death is a problem in um, in Cyberpunk. And you know, if you forget that minus eight for a name shot and all your NPCs headshot all the time. You might want to revise certain things. <laughs> yeah, and I think so- somebody mentioned that in the chat too. But before I dive into chat, if we're done with player problems, not a great point to make. Um, 
we can move on to the next section and kind of talk about that. And, and some of it involves that subject, actually. Nice. Um, yeah, let's see what they have to say out there. Let me move over. Yeah. Uh, we'll go over to uh, Chumba Chat now, right? Yep. Guys, can you just hold out the fort for a minute or two? I have to take a piss. I'm dying over here. But yeah, no problem. You go yeah, do that. Going. I'm going to backtrack and check this chat anyways because um, I don't want to miss that message. I saw it earlier. I want to say it was Quincy. Yeah, Quincy Forder talking about one of his biggest issues he faced as GM is player character death. So see, that's like what you're talking about, Simon, you know, and one uh, or one of their relatives. Uh, worst I had was in a French RPG called Cops. It was really an impactful event and clearly changed the role-playing afterward. Um, yeah, it, it totally can. I think that's one of those situations like, uh, you know, when, when, when something is that serious, it's definitely important to double-check the rules. You know, maybe that is a moment like it's okay to pause for a few, a few minutes, you know, because you don't want to just be like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm right, dude. You're dead. All right, just move aside. All right, moving on with the rest of the players. Like, we'll check that later, you know. Like, <laughs> well, I... But on the flip side, you know, part of the appeal of Cyberpunk, you know, and we are Cyberpunk GMs, is it's a deadly game. It's part of the DNA of the game. And sure, you could change that if you want to make it gentler, but I think I think it comes with the territory. I think the game is benefits from people dying. My I do too. 2020 campaign, you know, without too many spoilers, has some amazing deaths in it um, uh, of NPCs and otherwise, you know, and it, it adds so much. My recommendation is what Titus said earlier, which is play in small arcs. You know, do small self-contained stories so that if someone dies, it can affect that story and there's a natural place for them to come back in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another thing also that I enjoy in games where uh, there is player death and player death is permanent, especially that, uh, is that it makes every moment that they live um, have meaning. If you can be brought back from the dead at will, what's the point? Right. Where's the danger? Yeah, I'm not that, gonna care. Oh, that, that totally reminds me to backtrack. I think it was when Titus was talking about, you know, you're not trying to beat the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I, I wanted to interject there, and you just reminded me by say, saying there about not, you know, what's the point if it's magic potions and just coming back and you can't die and it's all that. Cyberpunk, you know, it even says right in the book, like, you know, it's it's on a street level. You're playing personal. It's not about beating the game or, like, solving the world problems. It's about surviving, maybe solving a couple problems to make enough money to get some cool cyberware or weapon or just eat or fucking, you know, sleep not on the street. You know? Fucking pay rent. Yeah. Right, you know, yeah. so it's in, very street level and I think it's, it's dangerous community. What was that? Sorry, in Reddit, it's about your local community as well. You know, like if you look at the Jumpstart Kit, the apartment thing, yeah, it's about keeping your community going when no one is out to help you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a very good point. Keeping it straight is it's very important. And I think Great that's point. why it's so, you know, like it's, it's that dangerous. It's so street level. Like Cyberpunk, unlike other role-playing games, is known for like player characters dying sometimes. It can happen, you know. And I think, like you said, Phil, it can be actually like, fun it can be part of the campaign and like i mean me as a as a gm you know it's 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 different it's exciting story-wise and big world building you know on that level but as a player like i wouldn't mind dying if i was doing a campaign it was ongoing months and with my 
player like i wouldn't mind like fuck make that some epic shit or it happened it's part of the story and then i'll think of a new character that can twist into that and like i don't know like cyberpunk that's part of cyberpunk because it is it can be that dangerous and crazy you know people remember you yeah yeah the goal is to have a drink named after you yeah that's (laughs) That's true (laughs) is anyone you you kill any players titus um you know when you have a podcast you uh you have to find ways to have it be dangerous but uh you know you don't like especially if they become kind of fan favorites i think there's a a balance there you want the you don't want them to die in a really shitty way you know you don't want it to just (laughs) someone to fail a driving and and drop the car off the off uh, off, off the and that kind of stuff can happen in cyberpunk right uh so I think that there's a, and it always and I think it's something that like that danger has to be there, you know whether you and you have to find ways to find things that the players are invested in and to put them in danger as well, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I don't. Uh, we are a little bit light on combat, I guess. In our in our uh, podcast, we I, I try to keep things really quick and messy uh, when mm. it comes to the combat, you know. Um, because I think that the consequences of the combat can sometimes be more interesting. And I also think that like, uh, it, when you're, when you're doing this as entertainment for other people, I think you should have to think about the combat, like songs in a musical. Each one has right. to, has to kind yeah, of further right. the plot along. It yeah. has to make sense. Yeah. And I, and I think it's, yeah. You know, it's part of our job as a GM to present problems and situations and to create this world, but not to solve them or railroad it or whatever. But, uh, you know, that being said, I, I think it's it it sets itself up to basically if you do it right, you know, it's it doesn't have to be the same thing every session and players should have full agency to make the game go in any direction that it that it's going that makes sense with what they're doing with the story, with the you know, problems or situations you've kind of presented in front of them. Uh, one last thing on character death for me is um, something I, uh, regarding like characters dying by actions out of combat. So we, we know that characters can get shot to death. But as you say, you know, if you, you know, if they can drive off a, a cliff or whatever, that could kill them, right? I, I, something I borrowed from a, something called uh, Burning Wheel. Uh, is um, especially in dangerous situations, explain the consequences before the role is attempted. Mm. So you say, yes, you can try that. If you fail, it will kill you. Mm-hmm. And then there's that's the choice to make, right? They can choose to do something else or they can go, fuck it, YOLO, it's it's happening, right? I'm rolling the dice. And I think if if there's a chance that a skill roll or a situation can kill someone outside of combat, you have to make that explicit before the role happens, right? I think that's just good radio, too. So uh, I mm. completely agree with that. We got any more questions? Um, I don't think so. I think we got it. Uh, before I go, my recommendation... Uh, okay, Quincy has a recommendation for Cyberpunk Red. Create a character normally, then create a couple spares with that street rat system. <laughs> a couple quick spares. That might be a good idea, especially for like you know streamers... 
that maybe, you know, you're in the middle of a session and you know you're going for like another hour or two and somebody dies and it's like, ah, shit, that was unexpected. Well, I guess just hang out while the rest of us keep playing for the next hour <laughs> and a half. And, uh, you know, like that, I guess I could see that, you know. Yeah. Um, or, you know, you have your life path. Make, you know, make the sheets for those other characters in your life path. Mm. Yeah, no, I yeah, love that. Yeah. I love that. You know, you die maybe... Your brother, or your relative, or cousin, or a coworker, totally. or someone steps up. Oh hell no! I'm gonna carry on their like legacy. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even even your enemy. Oh yeah. Yeah, your oh, enemy yeah. could come Someone. up and be like, "I wanted to shoot him." Like, fuck that's it. Really, who that's stole a great idea. I like kill? that. <laughs> no, that's really you, that's really powerful. What if powerful. you switched the person who killed you? Oh, that yeah. It's like the the bullet, and then you you take over the body of the bullet that that killed you. Oh god, that's pretty yeah, cool. Too, yeah, yeah. It switches. Yeah, in a novel, it would be awesome to have like this the change of narrator from the character that dies to the one that kills them. Yeah, no, that's oh, that's that, great. Without huge spoilers for a game that came out last year, but isn't that how The Last of Us Two basically works? Yeah. Okay. Nice. I played that one. <laughs> it's been a year. I think we're safe to assume. I, <laughs> I always forget because I I don't care about spoilers. So. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think uh, it also doesn't tell you very much. No. No. <laughs> no. Now I think we uh, we hit all the questions. Um, you know, I, again, thanks everybody in chat for being here and contributing ideas and chatting about the the subjects we're talking about. We really appreciate that. Um, before we go though. Um, it'd be cool to, you know, each of us just take a moment to once again, you know, just let everybody know where they can find you and what you got going on. And, uh, yeah, uh, Simon, you want to start that off? Sure. Um, so again, I am Simon at Wandering DM. Uh, you can find me over on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Wandering DM on Mondays and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern for, uh, Dungeons and Dragons and, uh, Cyberpunk Red respectively. On Wednesdays, I'm over on Unmade Gaming at 8 p.m. for uh, Cyberpunk Red with Team NPC. Uh, on Thursday, I am behind the screen. I am the guy that keeps spamming the Wilhelm screen, uh, screen during <laughs> Phil's game. Uh, so you want, you definitely want to check out the the Sirenscape game. Honestly, if only, if only for Phil's accents. <laughs> like, Thank you. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, on Saturdays, I'm over on Level Up Dice for uh, Scion on Saturday afternoons at 1. And then on uh, Sundays at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, I'm over on uh, uh, Praxagora Thismophoria to play a game of romantic fantasy called Romance of the Blue Rose. And also, uh, it's been announced this week, I forgot to mention that earlier today, but uh, the game, the board game that I'm working on called Vampire the Masquerade Chapters is now up for pre-order. If you missed the Kickstarter last nice. year, it is a, an enormous, literally, the board game is like 30 pounds. Okay. Uh, think of it as a mix between Vampire the Masquerade and a board game. It uses uh, the same rules as the TTRPG, but you're basically playing a pre-generated campaign uh chuck full of miniatures dice uh maps it's most of it can be used to just play vamp if you're a fan of vampire the masquerade so uh if you want to check that out um i uh, have the link on my twitter and uh, otherwise uh you can check out vampire the masquerade chapters on like google and you'll find the link to the pre-order campaign nice and I just want to add, add to the end of that, uh, Gonzo, who is Eric, he plays Coupler, our tech, and our, our weekly ongoing set. I should have shot Elf 
when he opened the door. Um, I think he was referring when we were talking about player character deaths. I just wanted to put that in because Simon came and played a character <laughs> elf, a rocker boy, for uh, one of those sessions with us that we streamed. You can look back on that episode. It's on the Cyberpunk Uncensored YouTube. And uh, the players were debating on when he opened the door if they were just going to shoot him to get the car going. So, but they ended up working together, luckily. That would have been a really weird session. Simon would have been sitting there for two hours. Uh, our special well, it's guest. Part, it's part of the reason why Simon makes sure that all of his cyberpunk characters have eight in reflex. Nice. Hell yeah, true. <laughs> That's funny. Just so you know, if someone rounds a corner. Eight oh, reflex, yeah. six of eight. <laughs> all right, Phil. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, yes, um, I'm Phil. Um, you can find me on Twitter via my uh, gaming handle, which is at Scruff, S-K-K-R-U-F. Uh, I am part of Baby Beard Media. Uh, we are a four-piece Australian um, content-creating collective. Say that three times fast. Um, we uh, do daily uploads on our YouTube channel. So we do all sorts of uh, fun let's plays and stuff, uh, daily uploads of whatever we feel like playing, which is great. Uh, we do the odd live stream as well. We have Roll to Cast is our flagship podcast. As I say, it's a role-playing um, focused podcast with original music where we play a different game every season. Uh, so uh, we've got Cyberpunk 2020, we've got Vampire the Masquerade, Cyberpunk Red, we're doing Pulp Cthulhu right now. And next coming up, we've got Kids on Bikes where we're playing a kind of Australian Gothic, kind of Western Australian kind of horror story, which I think is going to be a really unique perspective on that game. I'm really looking forward to playing that. Um, and um, yeah, we, we're super happy to to sort of uh, interact with people and, and chat with people. So please look us up, Baby Beard Media, uh, wherever you uh, wherever you get your uh, your media and, and check us out. As, as Simon was saying, we also um, do a live game together um, where he... Um, uh, does some amazing show running, uh, as he correctly pointed out. That is on uh, Thursday evenings uh, for for most people. Uh, for for the American audience, it's actually on Friday mornings for me. So yeah, that's uh, so punk red out on a limb on the Sirenscape channel. Please drop in live or or catch the vods later. It's uh, it's a lot of fun that game. Oh. I have a question for you, Phil. Uh, if you don't yeah. mind me asking, um, what are the monsters in an Australian horror game, given the fact that your regular wildlife are literally monsters? <laughs> well, have you ever heard of Drop Bear? <laughs> I've heard about the mythical Drop Bear. <laughs> I've yet to well, see them, though. Maybe they're not so mythical after all. <laughs> nice. All right, Titus. I'm uh, Titus McNally, part of Rocket Adrift. Uh, you can check out our cyberpunk actual play podcast. We it's it's edited, has original music. Uh, we have a mainline story. We sometimes play one-offs and have played other games, but we're currently running Fast and the Furriest, our exotic street racing game. Uh, and also, uh, we make independent games. Check them out uh, on Itch, order a pizza, and wishlist our new game, Raptor Boyfriend, on Steam. Hey, we played Order a Pizza on our channel. Great game. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, and just to remind everybody, I'll put the links in the description. Um, and in case you didn't know, I'm Rob Mulligan. I'm the founder of Cyberpunk Uncensored. Live gameplay, multiple GMs weekly. Mine is uh, every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
Um, I also have a monthly ongoing, another weekly coming up. Um, do a, a crash course tutorial, GM tips series, this series, uh, the deep dive, Night City Live, all that stuff. You can check out the links in the description. Go to cyberpunkuncensored.com. And uh, hit me up on YouTube and Twitch. I would really love that. And shout out to all the supporters on the Patreon. We just got that going not too long ago. And been getting great feedback there. I've been putting up a lot of uh, new perks and things there. Like a writer showcase for our Discord. um, Which we're starting to do. We're getting those scream sheets going. Um, Also, yeah, PWB. uh, He's heading up the scream sheet thing there. His name on our Cyberpunk Uncensored Discord is Ferris Bueller. Um, and then we got the calendar there. Um, I don't have it handy to throw up, but uh, but it's there in the Discord. Everybody can check out all the all the upcoming events. It's it's there on the Cyberpunk Uncensored Discord. But um, other than that, just a big big thanks to everybody that tuned into the live stream, everybody that contributed to the chat, and then everybody that's watching the archived VOD on the YouTube. I really appreciate that shit too. Please give us a like, give it a share, make sure everybody supports these other great GMs as well. Like I said, I've got the links in the description. Uh, just take at least a few moments to check out everybody's uh, you know, endeavors and things we all have going on. I, I know we would all really appreciate that. So um, thanks to all of you, Phil, Simon, Titus, for joining us and uh, making the GM Roundtable so awesome. I feel like, uh, Phil, you've been the OG here. Um, I know we, we try. I try to have like... The same GMs and things, but everyone's schedule is crazy. It rarely works, um, so we've had to cycle in people. But me and Phil have been holding it down since day one. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> but, um, Love it. I'll keep doing it as long as I can. Hell yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, so thanks, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye.